I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I'm committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits. This is episode 48, and I am interviewing my friend, Dr. Janet West of My RVA Baby, and we are getting into reflux and GERD, because did you know every baby has reflux? Yeah, every baby has reflux, but only some babies have GERD. And these are some things that we're discussing on today's episode as I walk through what is reflux versus GERD, but even more so, what are some ways that you can be proactive, talk to your pediatrician, and get some management for your baby's GERD and reflux. What I love even more about this episode is that Dr. West doesn't just have 20 years of experience with this. She also has a daughter with a very severe case of reflux. And so it was so fascinating to sit down with her and just walk through what to expect and actually talk about in an uncandid, unprompted, she had no idea I was going to ask, what do you think about reflux and sleep? So it was really cool to talk to her about that. Now, before we get into today's episode, I have a review from a mom with a baby who has GERD. And guess what? He's sleeping great. So I want to read Caitlin's review for you guys. Becca's e-coaching worked so well for our stubborn four-month-old with GERD. At night, she slept in a rock and play, and for naps, she needed to be bounced and held. There was no putting that baby down. When she started fighting being bounced too, we knew we had to do something. Becca's program was easy to follow. Her podcasts are super helpful, as are Q&A days on Instagram. It only took one really tough night for our baby to get it. Night two, she slept nine hours straight, woke up for a feed, and slept two more hours. Having her nap in her crib and not in my arms has been life-changing. Her e-coaching was so easy to follow that I was able to do the whole two-week course by myself while my husband was away from military training. Seriously, you can do this. And if you are a super worried first-time mom with a baby who has GERD, they can do it too. Our girl is a happy baby getting the sleep she needs thanks to Becca. If you're on the fence, just do it. Caitlin, thank you so much for your kind words, but more so for your just patience, consistency, and hard work with your sweet little girl because you also left your review with some pictures and she's adorable. You guys, wherever you are in the world, however old your baby is, sleep is a thing and we can make this possible. So I want to encourage you, we have about two weeks until Valentine's Day. And what an amazing Valentine's Day gift to be able to hand the monitor off to the babysitter or have someone else put your little one down because you know they're going to sleep wonderfully through the night or like Caitlin's little one, have a plan for one nighttime feed. Guys, this is so possible and I can't wait to welcome you into Sleep E-Coaching. We have courses from four to 16 months old, toddler coming soon, and I just want to encourage you that sleep is possible. Guys, I'm so excited to welcome Dr. West today as we discuss all things reflux, GERD, and sleep. Well, I am really excited to have Dr. West back because you are actually my first repeat guest. We chatted like almost um, probably, gosh, six to eight months ago on how to choose the correct pediatrician for your family. And that was really great insight. And I love that. I know our listeners did too. So I brought you back today because I am getting lots of questions and yes, some pushback still about well, I can't make change with my baby's sleep because they have reflux. And I do find that it's just being thrown out as an excuse for lots of different things. And I Mm -hmm. thought, man, the best way to tackle this is to have you and I sit down um, as someone who obviously has a lot of experience with newborns, yes, but also with babies and families. So I'm excited to talk about that. But real quick, could you give us just a little snapshot of you and your experience and what you do? 
Okay, well, thank you again for having me back. I'm happy I'm the first repeat, repeat <laughs> guest. That makes me excited. Um, so <clears throat> a brief overview about me and what I do. I have been practicing pediatrics now, wow, for maybe 20 years or so. And, um, you know, I ha have a lot of different experiences, primary care mostly. Um, but here recently, of course, I've moved into the realm of just newborn care with our VA baby. So my practice is really focused on helping families transition through that fourth trimester and get to know their babies and sort of get through all of the challenges that you have when you have a newborn coming home. Sometimes I'm working with moms and their first baby. Sometimes it's seven, baby seven or eight because everyone is different. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and the beauty of what I do is I get to do it at home. Um, and so I get to see the family in their element where they're most comfortable, but also where they're, they're most vulnerable. So I feel like I can help them and support them more effectively because they're just more open, right. you know, and yeah. just more comfortable and, and we can develop relationship and connect. So, yeah. so that's what, that's what I do. You know, the interesting thing is, is that most of the babies that I see have graduated from my practice by the time they're one to two months old. So by the time they get to you and they're talking about reflux, you know, they're sort of out of my reach, right? They're back in the hands of their, their newly selected primary care pediatrician and going out to the office. So it's great to be able to shed some light on this and sort of talk about this topic with you. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And as a little plug, I have a very large Richmond-based listeners. And if any of you out there who are listening are pregnant or about to have your baby, you need Dr. West because she comes to you. I mean, like you just said, yes, yes. who wants to take their child out when they're first born to the doctor? No, no. Let Dr. West come to you. So RVA baby. Love it. Anyways. Okay. There's my, my favorite my favorite plug. That's um, a right. plug, Becca. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, I am. I want to dive um, as deep as we can in this time for reflux and to um, kind of go through some things. So just to to walk through what we're going to talk about today, y'all. We're going to talk about like what is reflux. There are degrees and variations of reflux, and what do those look like? What does it look like to diagnose your baby um, who might have reflux? We're going to discuss tactics for managing reflux and how to really look at reflux as they age. So begin. Beginning with, okay, we hear the term reflux thrown out all the time. What is reflux? Well, let's think about historically. Historically, whenever people have a baby, they always have a burp cloth, right? They always have a spit cloth or a little rag because babies are just spitty. Some babies are a little spitty. Some babies are a lot spitty, right? Mm -hmm. And so reflux is just that process of milk washing up from the tummy up into the esophagus and out of baby's mouth. Sometimes it doesn't even come out of their mouth, but it might come to the back of their throat. And that happens in most babies because that little muscle between your stomach and your esophagus just doesn't have a lot of tone. And so when we think of reflux or spitting up, that's really a normal thing for babies to do. So we have to differentiate reflux from the pathological um, term that we use, which is GERD. So GERD is an actual disease. So it's gas gastroesophageal reflux disease. So I feel very comfortable in saying almost all babies have reflux because that's just how they're built. Mm -hmm. It's a spitty baby. When they have gastroesophageal reflux disease, that means that that reflux is severe enough that that baby is not thriving. Mm -hmm. And so when I say not thriving, that could mean that that baby's not gaining weight effectively 
because they're splitting up more than they're able to retain. That baby is having some esophageal damage and irritation from those stomach acids, so it's painful for them to eat. Or their upper airway is getting irritated from those stomach acids, so they're hoarse. They're getting this nasty taste in their mouth all the time, and they're just uncomfortable and fussy and can't settle. So reflux, all babies have it. GERD, not so much. GERD is where we're looking at intervention. Mm, okay. Okay. And you mentioned when we first chatted uh, on, on the phone a while ago about this conversation, you mentioned that your daughter has really severe reflux. Exactly. So is, is GERD, is it just either you, you're, all babies are spitty or you have GERD or is there more degrees off of GERD? There are more degrees off of GERD. So some babies have gastroesophageal reflux disease, like I said, and just have a little irritation in their esophagus. And those babies do well with either an acid reducer. So doctors might pre prescribe, for example, Zantac or something like that to decrease the acidity in the stomach. So that milk that's washing back up isn't irritating as much. So those medicines don't stop the baby from spitting up. It just calms the irritation down. Sometimes they'll recommend thickening the baby's milk and in those cases, maybe those babies don't have as much irritation, but the volume that's coming up is excessive. And so if you thicken it, the idea is that it's less likely to wash back up because it's more viscous. It's not as likely to come back up through the esophagus. It's more likely to pass through their gut and move on out of their stomach. So they're not spitting up as much. But when we look at variations of GERD, the severity can be from, okay, I just need to thicken my cereal or I need to feed more frequently, so smaller feeds more often so my tummy doesn't get as full so I'm not spitting up as much, or I need medication. In severe, severe cases, there might be a need for surgical intervention. Even some babies have gotten to the point where they need surgery to sort of tighten that area up and even get G-tubes because they're not growing mm. at all. That's extreme and very rare for babies to have severe failure to thrive from reflux. Yeah. My daughter had failure to thrive, but she did really well with medication and she had to have thickened formula. It was a projectile feed every time she ate. It was like it would go down and come right back up. Mm. And as she got older, she continued to have reflux. So as a toddler, if she ate too much, she would spontaneously just spit up all of her food. It would just come up. Mm. And she was the littlest thing. She was in kindergarten in a 4T. And I remember struggling because, you know, I was excited that she was going to get to ride the school bus for the very first time in kindergarten, but she was so little, she couldn't get up on the first step. So they said she couldn't ride the bus if she couldn't get on without assistance. So yeah, that, that was so heartbreaking. So you had to be able to get on and off for safety reasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so as she got older, it was just a matter of teaching her how to manage it, how to eat when to eat, timing and things like that. And of course, now in her 20s, you know, she, she still struggles with it and, you know, has to learn how to continue to manage that. Mm. Most children will outgrow their reflux. Most children, if they're on medications, are off of those medications by the time they're a year old or even sooner because they're eating solid food. They're not on a primarily liquid diet. Right. So they've grown, their body's matured, and they're eating things that aren't likely going to wash back up. Right. So for the majority of the folks out there, their reflux is going to go away and it's not going to be a lifelong issue for those children. Okay. All right. Until they reach middle age like me or have, you know, 
then, you know, that's a whole new thing. (laughs) (laughs) So when, uh, let's assume someone's listening to this podcast thinking, oh, okay, yeah, my baby is doing more than just spitting up. They do seem irritated. What are the steps for diagnosing GERD or, you know, any variation of that? Well, in most cases, you'll go to your pediatrician and they'll, you know, have a conversation with you about what those symptoms are. A lot of pediatricians will ask you questions like, does your baby pull away from the bottle or the nipple when they're feeding, which can be a sign of discomfort? Do they start eating and stop and cry? Are they irritable all the time? So outside of, you know, your normal colic or your hour of bewitching and, you know, have you tried all the things? You just have a a baby that's just irritable, especially around eating. They're developing some food aversive behaviors, like they act hungry, but they just don't want to eat. Mm-hmm. You can diagnose reflux based on that, really, and right. implement a trial of medication. And if that medication works and baby gets better, then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in many cases, you can do it without doing anything invasive. Other studies that can be done, um, and the most common one is something called an upper GI, which is an exam where they have baby swallow a dye, and they look to see how that bolus of liquid goes to the stomach And then they look to see if it washes back up into the esophagus and how far back it goes. Mm -hmm. And it can go halfway, it can go all the way up to the vocal cords, but they can take a look at that Mm -hmm. and see how fast and how much of that liquid comes back up into that baby's um, upper esophagus. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way to diagnose it. The problem with that system is sometimes babies can have reflux, but not reflux at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of babies that are actually being treated but have had a negative upper GI study but have responded well to treatment and their symptoms have gone away. Hmm. So that study is the most common one. There's another study where they can use like a pH probe to see, well, what's the pH? Is the pH in the esophagus really low? Is it really acidic? Like there's acid washing back up in there. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more invasive and less commonly done. That's more reserved for your extremely severe cases where they're thinking maybe some surgical intervention. Okay. For the most part though, you can treat based on symptoms and diagnose based on symptoms and how that baby presents and responds to medications. And if that doesn't work, then your pediatrician will take the next step and send you to the gastroenterologist for one of those upper GI studies. Okay. Gotcha. So I know having worked with lots of first-time parents and being once upon a time, yes, first-time parent myself, do you feel like because we, we need to evaluate the spitty baby versus the GERD baby and all these things, if you just mentioned a couple of quick symptoms about you know pulling away and things like that, is there a certain amount of maybe time we need to see pass by? Like not the first time you see baby back away from the bottle, oh, they've probably got reflux. What would be your word of wisdom for these first-time parents that are trying to figure out if this is just spitty baby or maybe something more? You know, it's hard to say because it depends on the parent's tolerance level, right? So my recommendation would be if you notice something and you're uncomfortable with it, go have a conversation with your pediatrician because they can look at the big picture, right? Mm -hmm. If you see those symptoms and it's only been a short time, but your baby's really struggling with gaining weight, maybe it's time to act sooner than later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you have a big old chunky baby and they pull away, you know, maybe a couple feeds a day. You know, it could be that you just have a really fast letdown, but that baby's growing. They're happy otherwise. That would be a baby I'd just be, be like, tincture of time. Let's just watch and wait. But that's a conversation to have with your provider. Yeah. So I always say, if there's something that you're concerned about, don't ruminate on it. Go, go check in. 
And it may be that you do nothing at that visit. Just say, hey, I have a concern. This is what I'm seeing. Should I be concerned? Mm -hmm. And then you can have a conversation that will be reassuring. But it'll give you a timeline of how long to expect to watch those symptoms before you go back. Yeah. So it's about that partnership. Don't hold back. Share everything. I love that. And gosh, I'm, I'm just such a good spokesperson for you, Dr. West, because I'm already thinking about, I know we're not talking about reflux at the newborn, newborn stage, but I mean, how great would it be when they're at any age, just text your doctor, right? Well, you could text Dr. West if she's yes. I love that. Anyways, I just, I think about that. It would have been so awesome as a first time parent to be doing that. But anyways, such a good plug for you again, but I would love to look at, you've mentioned a couple of tactics for managing reflux and things like that. When we discuss tactics for managing a child's reflux, are these things that we can look at a list and try things um, on our own or these things that we need to ask the pediatrician about kind of walk us through some typical tactics and what we could try. Gotcha. So for just the reflux or the spittiness, there are a couple things you can try. Um, first of all, when your baby eats, it can be a little positional, right? So they got a full tummy, you lay them down flat, they might be more likely to spit up. So the first tactic is trying to keep them upright for a little bit after they eat. That's a more common thing. And so that's a good time to have a little wakeful time with them. You can have them like at a good 45 degree angle. You can sit up, have them sit up on your chest and maybe, you know, have them put their elbows up on you and look at them a little bit. So positional, keeping them upright as much as you can for for about 30 minutes after a feed is a good way to sort of minimize that, especially if you're breastfeeding because breast milk moves through really quick. And so you'll feed, that milk will go through and you, you should see lower volumes of spit up. Mm-hmm. For formula-fed babies, formula tends to sit in the tummy a little longer because it's sitting there longer. Longer, It's more likely to wash back up the esophagus. But the same concept, trying to keep them upright a little bit after they eat is a really good tactic. Taking a step back, always keeping a little burp cloth on hand <laughs> is a good way to go. For a lot of moms, you know, that constant spitting up seems like a huge volume. Um, but try to think about if you poured a teaspoon of water or a tablespoon of water on that birth, birth cloth, what that would look like. Not as much as you think. You think it's a whole feeding. Yep. Um, it really isn't. You know, over the, over the, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I encourage families not to get too anxious about the fact that their baby is spitting, especially mm-hmm. if everything else is going well. But yeah. one of the first things you can do is try and keep baby upright. And then, you know, if you have a baby that is bottle feeding, whether it's pumped milk or formula, and you have that baby's two months old, but you're giving them six ounces, you're probably overfeeding. So avoiding overfeeding is key. Mm. Some babies don't have an automatic shutoff valve, so they'll eat till it's coming out of the side of their mouth. So, um, so you want to make sure you're not overfeeding your baby. So if you're feeding your baby and they're spitting up after feeding, but then they still seem content, they're probably spitting up that excess. Mm, okay. So talk to, have a conversation with your doctor about what's appropriate for your baby to be eating at that, at that age. Yeah. I hear moms say, oh, my one month old takes an eight ounce bottle, you know, Whoa. but you look <laughs> at the baby and the whole front of their shirt's like yellow. So <laughs> Yeah. You know what's going on there. So yeah. avoiding overfeeding is another thing that you can do. So be mindful of that as you are um, feeding your baby as well. I'm glad you brought up the amount they spit, might spit up because I do hear that from parents a lot that the bedtime feed, oh no, but my child spits up half the bottle. Like, are they really? 
Yeah. I feel like they are really spitting up the whole thing. And that's a, such a good visual check is, yeah, go to your kitchen, get a tablespoon of water, dump it on the burp cloth mm-hmm. and evaluate. Oh, it's actually a lot more than you think. So yeah. I actually had an old pediatrician. He had a trick. He would tell the parents to get a cup of water or like two ounces of water, put some food dye in it and pour it on a towel and see how much that is. Yeah. You know, it'll give you a good idea of how much your baby's actually, that's, it's not a whole feed. So. Yeah. yeah. And for those babies that it is a whole feed, you can go, okay, well maybe my baby is spitting up a whole feed. So mm-hmm. next step. So. Yeah. No, such a good, such good thoughts. So um, I want to be looking at just the reflux as they age, some things that maybe as parents, we should have always like a, a checklist of because it's one thing to say at maybe six months old, they, they get diagnosed, they get on a medicine. How should we be looking at reflux as they age? Is there, do we always need to be evaluating? Do they still need the meds? Do they not need the meds? Like kind of walk us through that path of your baby's been diagnosed. Here's what we do. Now what's next? The trick that most pediatricians use is they will continue to treat with medication. And instead of, because the the medication is weight-based, they will not increase the dose. They'll let baby gain weight. And if those symptoms start to look like they're trying to come back, then they'll adjust the dose up for weight. But usually what we do is let them outgrow the dose and then just discontinue the medication altogether, Um, which is a really neat trick because if the dose isn't therapeutic, we know they don't need it anymore. And so usually by the time babies are like nine to 12 months, they've outgrown that dose and we can stop the medication and then we just move on with life. For those babies that seem to continue to need that medication, usually as they're getting a little older, a lot of times pediatricians will say, you know what, let's go have a visit with the gastroenterologist. Maybe it's time to do an upper GI or take another look at what's going on with your baby. But the overwhelming majority of babies, we're just going to let them outgrow that medication. Yeah, that's such a good, that's, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that always needs to be evaluated by them. Now, I, I do hear parents kind of self-diagnosing things sometimes. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's what we do. I would love to hear any of your thoughts on um, sleep habits with reflux because I hear things all the time about, oh, my baby just, they can't sleep because they have reflux. Wait, what? You know, and it just doesn't quite connect. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know, the only correlation I could see is in that early period, if that baby had severe reflux and they were just irritable all the time, then maybe that baby didn't settle and sleep well. But if that reflux is treated, that GERD, I'm sorry, let me make sure I'm using the right term. Oh yeah, there we go. If that GERD is being treated adequately, then there should be no sleep disruption. You can take on any sleep plan or, or you know, treatment that you need if you want to work on sleep or any sleep schedule. It shouldn't interfere at all. So if that baby is not able to sleep well because of those symptoms, then maybe you need to go back to the drawing board and look at treatments. And there are levels of medications that you can use. So if the basic Zantac doesn't work, maybe you need, you know, a Nexium or something that's a little bit stronger. Otherwise, there should be no sleep disruption, really. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> Surprise. So, so my thought would be that, like I said, that baby's not adequate, their symptoms aren't adequately being treated, or that parent is still in this sort of smaller frequent feeding cycle. And that can be a little tricky, but depending on the age of your baby, what they're eating and the, you know, the volume of food that they're eating, I still don't see where that would have any major bearing on sleep, right? So if you have a newborn and they're eating every three hours, 
or, or a four-month-old that's eating every four hours or four to six hours, those intervals are, are sort of appropriate anyway mm-hmm. for them. So, you know, I feel like you should be able to take on whatever sleep training you need. Yeah. No, I'm so thankful for your insight. And I, I know this was a good, you know, 101 on reflux and GERD. And I really know that everyone listening has a much better understanding of it. And, and me too. M- neither one of my littles had GERD. Of course, they were spitty, but not that. And so it's always good to have an insight. So thank you so much for being here. And I would love for you to tell our listeners how, if they're especially here in Richmond, how can they get in contact with you to have you be their initial start for their baby's primary doctor in the beginning? So tell us about that. Yes. So I have a website. It's at myrvababy.com. So you can check me out there and there's a place where you can fill out the contact information. I'll get an email and get back with you. But you can also find me on Facebook at RVA Baby and on Instagram at my RVA Baby. On Instagram, you can message me through either of those social media platforms. Or you can just give me a call at 804-762-3009 and I'll call you back. Yay. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. I just love your wisdom and insight. I'll never forget um, when I was covering in the newborn course, you have a bonus in there for me about just newborn things. And uh, one, one question I got was, should I take my baby to the beach? And you said, babies are in jungles. You take that baby to the beach. That's like, right. Yes, I love her. <laughs> so I just love your take on, on things for baby and for life and mom. So thank you for being here. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me as always. I'm so grateful that you were here today and listened to this really insightful wisdom from Dr. West. I just really can't get enough of her. She is so wise. I just love her realistic edge about things. And I'm grateful that you're here for this. Join us next week as we look at more sleep topics, because you know what? I'm here every week to resolve your little one's sleep habits. Whether you're interested in getting started through e-coaching, or you just want to connect through this podcast every week, or work one-on-one with me personally, I am just grateful that we are all here making sleep happen. Sweet dreams. See you next time.